This is 10 Questions to Cyber Resilience, brought to you by Assurance IT. Released twice per month, every episode brings you one step closer to cyber resilience by hearing how IT leaders are practicing cybersecurity. Resources mentioned in the episode can be found in the show notes. If you're ready to take your cyber resilience to the next level, be sure to subscribe so you can catch every episode. All right. Good morning, everyone. Good day. Today, I've got Ashley McGlone from Tanium with me in the podcast. I had the opportunity to talk with one of his colleagues a couple of days ago, and we talked about specifically manufacturing and cybersecurity in the manufacturing field. So without further ado, I'm going to ask Ashley to introduce himself, what his expertise is, where he's working today, what he likes to do on a day-to-day basis, and then we'll start in there. Thanks for having me on the show, Luigi. This is a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm Ashley McGlone. I'm a technology strategist in our manufacturing segment. So I've spent the last few years here in this part of my tenure at Tanium, focusing on manufacturing customers and where Tanium is relevant to them on the factory floor, helping them with visibility and control. I've been here at Tanium five and a half years. Before that, I was with Microsoft for about eight years. Before that, Toyota for about eight years. And if you go all the way back, I started with a Commodore in 1982. So I've been doing technology for four decades now. <laughs> wow, impressive. Impressive. I'm sure the time at Toyota helped build your knowledge with regards to manufacturing there. Obviously, manufacturing has become a huge fundamental piece of our ecosystem. It's really integral into everything. What we're seeing more so now is that manufacturing companies, like it or not, have become huge attack surfaces for bad actors. There's so much technology that's being integrated on a day-to-day basis. I know you're very tactical in your day-to-day. Can you define some of the terms we hear? Some of the people listening to the podcast may or may not know what the terms are. We talk about IT, we talk about IoT, we talk about OT, IIoT. Maybe you could give us an overview of what all that's about. There's a lot of I's and O's and T's in there. Let's sort them out. So IT, that's what a lot of us do every day. That's our typical corporate infrastructure. Sometimes they like to separate it between the carpet and the paint or the carpet and the concrete. So the carpet is the office. That's IT. The concrete is the OT. That's your industrial environment. Uh, operating technology is what that stands for. It could be the dials that turn the uh, chlorine balance in a water treatment plant, those types of industrial equipment type environments. So it's the operating technology that makes the physical, it's that cyber physical interface between this technology is going to control a physical process. That's the operating technology. Then IoT is Internet of Things, obviously. That can be anything from IP cameras Uh, to uh, one customer, they had vulnerable Amazon Fire Sticks in their presentation TVs and conference rooms. So it could be any internet connected device that's not traditionally manageable like that. And then IoT and a lot of different verticals like medical have their own IoT flavor. So industrial IoT then instead of IOM to like medical and every vertical's got their own IoT. And industrial IoT is often looped in with industry 4.0, which is the latest revolution of plant floor technology, which involves things like 5G for wireless connectivity, especially in more rugged or network challenged environments. 
You've got those same IoT type technologies, but in the plant space used for manufacturing or industrial control purposes. Often you'll see as well uh, a gateway device where now the legacy devices that were previously not connected to the internet have a gateway to get out to cloud services. And it's really a game changer. It blows my mind. When we think about mission critical plant floor systems that are now connected to the cloud, taking on that big dependency for another point of failure. So there's a lot of concern for a lot of uh, traditional manufacturing folks. Do we go that path or not? But that's the whole gamut from IT, OT, IOT. There you go. Okay. So you really went deep dive in there. I appreciate that. You mentioned industry 4.0. Let me just double click on that. So industry 4.0, is that a standard or kind of a terminology that we're using to augment or increase the efficiency or automation in a plant floor? How do you describe that specifically? Personally, I'm not sure that it's a standard necessarily, but I think it's a bucket phrase that captures a lot of that. I'm sure there are people that could go into the line items and explain why it's different than 3.0. That's technology, right? You got one, two, three, four. This is the latest iteration, <laughs> which includes cloud connectivity on the plant floor systems. You mentioned something really important there, the gateway into cloud management. Traditional PLCs or traditional plant floor technology would typically not have any external access. And I think that gateway now, as much as it's creating that operational efficiency or automation and that layer of management, I think that's where, correct me if I'm wrong, is that where that gateway brings in also the security concern? Yes. If you're exposing devices to the internet that are on a plant floor, obviously that's going to be a concern. These days, everybody knows better than directly exposing devices to the internet, I would hope. But even just typical Windows and Linux boxes that are sitting there beside the line controlling a machine in the assembly process of manufacturing, for example, those machines are still there, still running old operating systems and still vulnerable. That's a good point. You're right. We often forget that. We put the box in the corner. It's got the same password for the last 12 years. Hasn't been updated or patched or anything like that, and it's kind of just running the old system. Those present obviously big vulnerabilities in plant floor. And some people call that ITOT convergence. Some people say, oh, that happened years ago as soon as we put a PC on the plant floor. Other people say it's still converging. You've got Windows and Linux devices typically, usually on older flavors of the operating system, often not up to date that are put on the controlling mission-critical processes that are time-sensitive and sometimes attached to millions of dollars of pieces of equipment that are very sensitive. So it's not your IT environment at all. And what we hear often is that if you try to take IT processes and just copy-paste into the OT environment, you're going to break things right off the bat. When you think about this mindset change between IT and OT, in IT, we're concerned about the confidentiality, integrity, authenticity, the CIA mm -hmm. triad. But on the plant floor, the number one concern is human safety. And that trumps everything. So it really is a different place to operate technology. Absolutely. And I think that's always been the biggest challenge. Like you mentioned, merging those two mindsets together. The technology is one thing, but the, the mindset is really, and you're right, safety should never be overlooked 100%. To go back to what you said, if anyone's ever been on a plant floor, you've seen that PC that's got four inches of dust on the keyboard and four inches of dust on the monitor, and it's never been touched, <laughs> never been cleaned, but it's just rock solid and working, so we don't touch it. Let me double click on the next question, which is all about visibility. We talk about a lot of manufacturing customers about visibility and control of their OT environments, right? So what are you hearing as trends in that specific space? 
as much as we would like to think that this is the year 2023 and everybody's all wired up, digital transformation is complete. I talked to a lot of smaller manufacturers and suppliers who are literally just now getting started. I've had even larger manufacturers tell me if we had a ransomware event in the plant, we have a spreadsheet from five years ago with our asset inventory. And we all know that's just not going to work. Unfortunately, a lot of people are still just getting started. And I think what's happening is, let's say you work with automotive and you've got a top tier automotive company that OEM that's supplying the federal government in the U.S. So now there's CMMC, Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. It's now at 2.0, getting ready to be effective here within the next couple of years. Then all of a sudden, now you find yourself, maybe you're not a tier one supplier to that auto, maybe you're a tier two, tier three. All of a sudden, depending on how close you are, what you're supplying, you could be susceptible to compliance for U.S. federal government. Or if you're in Europe, maybe it's TISACs or NIST-2, or maybe it's in U.S. the White House executive orders around cybersecurity. All of a sudden, there's this really big regulatory compliance landscape. Now, standards have been around for years, but it's this regulatory compliance that's forcing people to take a look because manufacturing is unfortunately increasingly in the headlines with ransomware, malware, and ransomware, malware targeted at manufacturing specifically. There was a headline a couple of years ago where there was ransomware that was looking at over 60 Windows executables running on the line side, and it would kill those processes before it ransomed the box. So it was specifically targeted manufacturing. That's got a lot of people concerned, obviously. A lot of people are just getting started and they don't have the basic inventory visibility into what are my devices, whether they're Windows, Linux, or those lower tier PLC sensor type devices. Visibility is really the first place to start. And what I find is a lot of people are evaluating software solutions there. They're looking for things that can inventory those devices on the plant floor. If I started naming vendors, because there are dozens of vendors in that space now who are helping to provide that visibility. At the risk of going too long on this answer, I'll also say another big concern is staffing and skill set. I was going to say that. That's always been a challenge in manufacturing, right? Traditional non-IT environments. It's about operations. It's about efficiency. It's about automation and safety, of course. But Technology is kind of always taking a back seat. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There's people that design these processes and they've used technology for years, but security wasn't a concern because they weren't exposed to the internet uh, like they are now. So you've got skill sets in traditional industrial environments that are having to either learn new skills or you have IT people coming in telling them what to do. And the production engineering folks are saying, no, wait a minute, it doesn't work that way here. You've got this hybridized skill set between a cybersecurity mindset coming into a manufacturing environment. So that really is a critical skill set to have now is having a security mind and an OT mind so you can bring those together and doing it in a safe way. Sounds like it's not an easy skill set to find based on what I've just heard. 
Yeah, the cyber field as a whole, I've heard stats, so you get different numbers, like millions of openings that'll go unfilled, right? And then when you get into niche areas like this, where it's a hybrid of IT and OT coming together with cyber in the skill set, it is a niche skill set area. What a lot of companies are going to end up doing because they can't afford a senior person in that space because manufacturing budgets are always tight, especially when it comes to staffing for something like this. A lot of times you're going to hire people straight out of college. And it's going to, it's going to be a lot of OG, OJT, a lot of on-the-job training. There's some resources I'll talk about later that can really help with that. Yeah, that's very good. Before we move on to the next question, anything else you want to say about visibility and OT environments or you want to, we can circle back at the end? I think I'm good on there for now. All right, all right. So you mentioned a lot of companies are just getting started. So if you've seen this, you've obviously lived this through conversations with your clients. How does a company get started? If you're a manufacturing company, just listening to this podcast at random, how does a company get started? What do they look? What do they do? Number one, you're not alone, especially if you're in the smaller tier space. There are a lot of bigger companies who have already walked this path. They've crafted best practices. They put that into guidance. You may have heard of the Purdue model for the structuring of systems in manufacturing or industrial environment, you take another layer to the ISA, IEC, more alphabet here, 62443. And we'll have links in the show notes for folks to this stuff, but say 62443 is the international standard for cybersecurity practices in a manufacturing environment. It's going to help you categorize and sort through if I'm just staring at I-beams and network cables and equipment, how do I make sense of this? Where do I draw the lines virtually for how do I organize this into an actual cyber strategy for my industrial environment? So it's going to have a five-layer stack that goes from top traditional kind of IT systems running Windows and Linux and such, all the way down to those lower tier devices that are running some type of firmware maybe that you need to monitor, or maybe it's just a dial that's controlling something, all the way down the sensors and actuators. They've carved that out. They've identified, okay, here's the vocabulary you even use to talk about it. I've got a security level target that I want to get to. Here's the security level capability of what we can do today. Then that gives us this gap that we need to close. And zones and conduits. Here are machines that are going to be compensating controls. We can't update them. So they're going to get firewalled or air-gapped over here. That's a zone. And a conduit's that network connection coming in and out of there for a firewall connection, so to speak. You've got network segmentation between the carpet and the cement. So between IT and OT, making sure you've got the right firewalls in place. And if Marion Accounting clicks a phishing link, it doesn't take down manufacturing and vice versa. There's a lot here and there's a lot of precedent. If you're just getting started, there's a lot of resources available to help you. There's a deep bench with consulting practices and providers like yourself who have done work in this space who can really help people first off to get oriented. And that's what I've noticed. A lot of the calls that I've had even recently is just helping people understand where do I take that first step? Yeah. And these standards, I'll just say numbers again. So ISA, IEC 62443. I think these international standards force 
both the IT and the OT folks, or you said process engineer, first to work together and merge those processes as much as they are different. I think these standards are extremely important and should be adopted, obviously, by these organizations, because if there's a skill set gap from a process wise, this forces them to work together. So we're seeing this across the board. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's important that individuals know this. The standard you, obviously, you're well-versed in it. Is this something you get to stamp once and then you have yearly checks or do you know how long this standard would last within an organization? In the realm of regulations, compliance, attestations, this is just a standard that's a recommendation that okay. you should align to. I would say that it's not enforced, but when things like we're seeing in EMEA right now with the NIST-2 is mm -hmm. actually coming in and putting teeth to some of this to actually enforce it and putting penalties there where there weren't before. For the last 20 years, ISA 62443 has just been a standard. Hey, this is a good way to think about it, to design and framework, give the industry a common vocabulary and put training and resources behind it. Yeah, it's actually got a little more legs now with the headlines over the last few years. Just to touch on that, when we talk about regulatory compliance for us as an organization, especially when we're talking with clients, when you abide by or conform to a specific standard, you earn the right to do business with more partners. If you don't have the controls in place, that's fine. But if you want to continue to conduct business with certain entities, you're going to be required to show that you actually meet a certain level of standards. Whether it's enforced legally or not, I think more and more companies are just going to abide by a specific standard because they want to continue to do business or earn the right with certain enterprises that they once could not do that. You're describing supply chain risk. There you go. And that yep. is top of mind for everybody right now. I remember when I used to work for Toyota, for example, the automotive seat supplier, the seats would come in off the semi-truck in the order that cars were going down the assembly line. If that seat supplier then had a cyber breach, even if there's nothing cyber in the seat itself, if they were victim to ransomware and that supply paused, mm -hmm. it would pause the cars going down the line. Even if you make wiring harnesses that have no embedded technology, if you can't supply those because you've been breached, then you're going to impact all of your supply chain partners. So whether or not you think it applies to you, it does. Exactly. I've got another question here. About OT environments, we see such a diverse mix of devices. How do you manage all those types of devices with one solution? Is it even possible? It's not. <laughs> no, I tell <laughs> you, the more people I talk to, whether it's partners, other vendors, prospects and customers in this space, everybody's looking for a silver bullet. There is no one software solution that's going to give you that ultimate visibility control from one end to the other. Today, it doesn't exist. What you will find, though, is what I prefer to call strategic platform partnerships. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some companies out there that say, yeah, we do IT and OT. But you've got to dig a little deeper below the marketing messaging and say, okay, what exactly do you do in IT and OT? Maybe you only scan for vulnerabilities and that's it. It doesn't stop there. I need to fix those vulnerabilities, right? I need to enforce policy on those workstations. I got Windows and Linux that I need to manage firewall and disk encryption and things like that on the plant floor. It goes beyond just a narrow feature matrix to actually a broad set of full manageability 
for the plant floor from IT and OT and where that convergence meets. What I'm seeing today is as I talk to people who are in this starting process, they are actively investigating vendors that do like port spanning on the network. There's dozens of vendors in this space that'll listen and find those devices passively on the network. Then there's needs for some active scanning as well, because some of those devices will never initiate a network connection. Then you've got your traditional distributed control systems vendors like Siemens and Rockwell and Honeywell and GE. I could name those for a while. You've got all those vendors who have their own cybersecurity practices as well. What I typically recommend, you know, what we do is helping people with visibility on the top tier of that model. So the Windows and Linux devices, we can give you all the capability you need there. Let's take that and use some common backend like Splunk or ServiceNow or Microsoft Sentinel, some type of SIM, SOAR solution, CMDB. Let's take all that Tanium data, put it in there, and then take your other solutions in this space that most of them are already pre-wired for ServiceNow or you know, Splunk, something on the back end. Then use that back end for that end-to-end visibility and control for your ITOT SOC experience. Interesting. So what I heard was form a strategic platform of partnerships. Make sure you've got a bunch of partners that can then fill those needs because there's just no silver bullet. So the benefit there is rather than having a dozen solutions with a dozen integration points in this matrix of integrations, you can really optimize that down to just a few strategic integrations, which is going to make it easier to maintain in the long term. Got it. Very good. One last question, because then I want to talk a little bit about what you do and maybe how your platform could help. You've mentioned a lot of things here, and obviously I want to give you the time to talk about that. What resources are available to help companies today? We talked about how they get started, obviously a bunch of stuff online, but what would you recommend? There's always the free and easy Wikipedia and YouTube, right? You can learn anything (laughs) on Wikipedia and YouTube, and there's a ton of open stuff like that. But if you're willing to invest, even just looking at the open free resources, I would go straight to the SANS Institute. SANS has been around for years, and everybody knows them as the source of trusted security training. SANS has a whole program for industrial controls, SANS ICS, S-A-N-S, ICS. Just put that in your search engine and we've got some links in the show notes here as well. We're definitely going to share a lot of that information. You sent me some stuff for the show here, which is great. Yeah, they've got an ICS guide, Industrial Controls Guide for Recommended Controls to Start. Things about having an incident response plan. Sure, we have one of those for IT, but do you have it for your industrial environment? Just knowing who to call, where do I get my inventory, where are all the firewalls, and who's controlling those things. Having that incident response plan, a defensible architecture, network visibility, monitoring, secure remote access, and then even risk-based vulnerability management, which prioritizes not just saying here's all the vulns, but Here's the ones that are prioritized for our equipment with our environment where we know that they are exposed. They have a really good guide that you can download for free just to get started, but they have a whole suite of courses. And I'm not compensated for this either, by the way. Just I've seen that they have some fantastic instructors who are writing, designing, living this every day, getting real-world training out there to the people that need it most. Even if you're taking somebody off the street without this kind of background in their portfolio, you can send them to these classes, get them some hands-on with this technology and get them trained up and ready to go. 
even if you're not getting compensated, I think you've obviously demonstrated a wealth of knowledge in this industry. So if you're saying SANS ICS is a good place to start, that's where I would start. Thanks for that, Ashley. Before we wrap, obviously you work at Tanium. I see the background there. So maybe just tell us a little bit of how Tanium could help an organization. You, you shared time with us and I appreciate that. So I need to give you some time to tell us how Tanium could potentially help. Well, sure. Tanium is a real-time endpoint management platform for visibility and control at speed and scale, all those marketing terms, right? But basically what that means is we have a unique architecture that allows us literally in seconds to get information from any system, Windows, Mac, Linux, even Solaris and AIX that has an IP. It's connected. It's on the network. We can get that real-time visibility of your environment. If you're wanting to know what are all the machines in my working from home office area on the plant floor, as long as it's running one of those OSs and it's got an IP, it's got Tanium client installed, then we can get you the richest data you've ever seen in real time. So we can scan for vulnerabilities, we can patch, we can manage policy, we can do threat detection and response and a whole list of capabilities that gives you a very wide feature matrix to manage the top half of that OT stack, right? Where you've got Windows and Linux machines out there that are running what matters most to you. I've had customers tell us when they put traditional IT tools in there, they need multiple tools to do that. It's a performance hit on the endpoint, but Tanium's a single agent that covers multiple tool sets. With that platform approach, then you can reduce the impact on often under-resourced hardware profiles on these manufacturing machines. We've seen some real benefit there as well as the actual technology, what we're doing to manage and secure that environment. Fantastic. So it's all about visibility and knowing what you own because you can't really protect if you don't know you own it. Exactly. I know it's cliche. We say it often, but it's the fundamental truth. If you don't know what exists on your network and how do you know how to protect it or mitigate the risk on those devices? Ashley, I've learned a ton. I'm sure the audience is going to love this. We will be sharing a lot of the links that you've sent us. Before we go, anything else you want to add? Because you've given us a lot of your time here and a lot of information. If you've got nothing else, I, I just want to thank you. You know, We can do this again. Close off with that. Thanks for the opportunity to come on the show, Luigi. I just want to offer a word of encouragement because typically IT and OT are separate silos in the business only a few places where they're actually integrated with a common vision, common governance. It takes work to get there and it's worth it. Your business depends on it. Your livelihood, your family that you support with the income that you make at your employer. You want to keep that secure for your own interest, but also for the business and for all the people that are served by that business. It really is worth the effort to spend the time and to do the research and to get your program started if you don't have one because security is not an option here. Time is now. You got to get started. Ashley, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to 10 Questions to Cyber Resilience brought to you by Assurance IT. Assurance IT is in the cybersecurity space, specializing in data protection and compliance. Since 2011, they primarily help mid-sized enterprises in Canada. If you have questions about protecting your data, reach out to us directly at info at assuranceit.ca or visit assuranceit.ca.